to another edition of Thinking Aloud About Film. Today we're going to be talking about the second of the two films by Motun Fei, made available by Thailand Film and Audiovisual Institute and the Harvard Film Archive. And Today we're talking about End of the Track. Jose, what did you think? I think it's one of the great undiscovered masterpieces of world cinema. Uh, I was very impressed uh, yesterday uh, but by I didn't dare tell you, and you know it it is incredibly good, but I think this goes beyond good. This is uh, a film, you know, that is is really poetic. It's really beautiful. It's really complex, and it it leaves you thinking about what you've just seen, uh, whilst also resonating with a particular type of experience, an experience that everybody else has or shares, really. So, yeah, what, what yeah. did you think? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I thought it was an incredible film um, and sort of an, an amazing that it's so so little known. You know, the story is amazing and sort of really moving. The uh, the visual style of it is also incredible, as yeah, even even more so than I didn't dare tell you. You know, it's just the, the compositions and, 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 and use of the frame and so on. And, and the acting is great, particularly from the, the two two boys in the in the quite difficult parts and they're, they're, they're amazing so if i can just tell the story uh, a little bit uh the, the film revolves around the friendship of two i would say tweens right like you know they're teenagers but they're more on the side of 13 than on the side of 18 yeah they're like yeah i mean they, these are kids that are i mean in a way it could be the kid from i didn't dare tell you after he's been at high school for a couple of yeah. years, you know, it's, it's that, it's that kind of. Age. I think for me, you know, what's important is that you know they're they're on the verge of puberty. Or they've just gone through, yeah, through puberty. You know, they're very young teenagers, let's say, and I think that's important. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, because it is about the friendship of these two boys, uh, and it's kind of a very deep friendship. It's a kind of love that you know they each have for the other, uh, but the age is important because. At one point, one of them says, oh, you know, some of the boys in school call us queers. And the other one answers, well, what, what is queers, right? Like, yeah, I, they don't have a clue about, mm. you know, sexuality. Mm. They're, they're even in the process of discovering their own bodies and often through the sight of the other, you know, so they swim naked in front of each other and, you know, they make fun of each other's penises and whatever. But actually, there's no suggestion that I detect of any kind of sexual interest between them, right? No, uh, no, no, not at yeah. all. No. You know, the film was banned for being homoerotic. And actually, you could see why it is. I think certainly to my eyes, seeing frontal nudity in boys that are 14 uh, comes across as taboo, even whilst I think it really shouldn't be. Yeah, and nonetheless, you know... It would never get made in our time, right? So you can see the transgressive element in it. Yeah, but I think it's something that goes, that is almost on the outside of the story, so to speak, yeah? Yeah, the point about it being banned is 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 quite interesting. Have you had a chance to watch the two the two lectures? I've yet? seen the Victor Fan now, but not the other. Okay, so so I've watched that, but and I watched the Wood, the Woodlin one. He's really interesting. He's from the. The Taiwan Documentary Festival that first showed these films a few years ago, and also works at TFAI. He says there's no evidence. Well, firstly, um, I didn't dare tell you wasn't banned. Uh, it's just that they it was an independent production and they had no money to pay to release it into cinemas. Nah. But there's no government ban. 
the, yeah, the, the producer and the writer of End of the Track is still around. And they they say it wasn't bad, uh-huh. and they they, they 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 say, and I don't quite believe this, that the reason it was didn't, didn't get a particularly wide release in cinemas was it had been made in black and white in 1970, and the cinema chains didn't want to show a black and white film. That makes sense to me, because he he actually he does something we often do, and just like quotes from Wikipedia articles and tells you how rubbish what rubbish they're talking, mm-hmm. um, but he because. It's Wikipedia that claims that I didn't dare tell you was banned, uh, but it says the reason it was banned is that it's about a student who falls in love with his teacher, which doesn't happen in the film. No. Um, and he, you know, he, he, as he says, there's no evidence that um, the the end of the track was was, was actually banned. Yeah, you know, there, there there are with that that's kind of homoerotic undertone. They're, they're, I mean, they they are sort of quite physical with each other in terms of sort of you know embracing and wrestling in mud and this kind of thing but it, it's not a sexual thing the reason you would never show what this film shows now is because there will be a sector of the population that will get off on it right mm. <laughs> but that is yeah yeah no matter what any film does i mean there's a sector of the population you know that will get off on just seeing a young boy naked really you know it really reminds me of um huckleberry finn yeah, uh, and Itumama Tambien, which also has scenes of the young boys wanking with each other, and you know, get, uh, mm. uh, although in that case they're older, but yeah, it, it's it, it is, a, and, and actually the relationship, the, the review I found earlier of these two films made that point about about Itumama Tambien. That again, that that's a kind of rich boy and a poor boy who are um, very kind of physical with each other. Yes, but yeah, I, I, as you say, it's 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 a kind of curiosity about each other. It's it's a sort of it's a, a kind of physical horseplay that they have, but it is a very emotionally close relationship. But it's a friend; it's you know, friendship rather than rather than lovers. That's very very clear. Anyway, you know, to move on from this topic, uh, uh, whether the film you know was banned or not, I think it would be very difficult to get it made and shown now. <laughs> yeah, with yeah, those yeah, scenes, yeah. impossible. And 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 by the way, the scenes are nothing. I mean. You know, that's just one very brief scene, and I think the, yeah, the, the the rest of the film wouldn't wouldn't be problematic. Well, I I, I, I think, think it wouldn't be problematic. I mean, I think actually it shouldn't be problematic to anyone. <laughs> it's a very beautiful film, you know. So uh, all of those early scenes about you know the relationship between the boys, which is deeply affectionate, you can tell they're best buddies, but it's also competitive. You often see them wrestling. Yeah, you often see them ang- angry with each other. You, there is often like a contest between them that ends up in physical fighting, right? So it's not just like uh, love, 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 right? It is, it is just a friendship. Uh, and actually, I think the filmmaker shows in, 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 in you know, a multi-variegated kind of complexity uh, that is very rare to see on screen. Um, what, you, what you said that I... Of, you know, I I got it, but I didn't get it, so to speak. Yeah, you know, that's important in the film is that they're both from different classes. Now, it's obvious watching the film, you know, that one is a professional family and the other one is not. But actually, in thinking about it subsequently, I didn't make as much of that as I think I, sh- I should have. Uh, and I wonder what you thought of that. When you're first introduced to the boys, the, the, I mean, the whole first section of the film is, is, is just the two boys. And then, then you meet the the parents of one of them, the working class parents who run the noodle stall. And it's clear that the boys are 
always hanging out at the noodle stall, not not at the house. Um, and you don't, I don't think you see the the rich parents until until later in the film. So you don't actually realise this difference in the, in the status until until later on, when after the the incident. Which, I mean, we haven't really talked about the plot yet, um, but I guess that's, it's going to be easier if we talk about the plot. That essentially what what happens is about half an hour into the film, they, they're they're competing with each other, and the the rich boy is sitting in the middle of the track doing as many maths problems as he can, and his friend is running round and round the track to um, try and complete as many circuits as he can yeah. in, in, in the same time. And the rich kid doesn't notice that the the other kid is really struggling and clearly it's a, you know, undiagnosed heart condition or whatever. And, and, and you know, he then basically, you know, dies in dies in his arms. The rest of the film essentially is that is the, that boy's guilt and how he tries to deal with it. He sort of inserts himself into the family, into the poor family, kind of almost as a, as a replacement for the for their son and uh, you know they're not quite sure at first and then they kind of accept it and his parents aren't, aren't really sure what to do you get all these scenes of you know the rich parents driving past the noodle stand and trying to trying to understand what 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 they can do to help um and there's actually this very moving sequence where the the rich father kind of um sees them struggling with the noodle stand and in the rain and actually kind of comes out of the car and and, and helps them with it although he's, he still is a git again in the next scene but but so i think that that difference in 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 the classes is is, is important and it, it's sort of it's and also it's kind of something we've talked about often in the about these films is kind of um you know modernity versus uh the the the, the past that you know the the noodle vendors are in this kind of um shack and and the um the rich parents are living in this block of flats and it's, it's all, all all very modern or very, all, all very clean lines so yeah, i think that is an important theme and it's probably some again there are probably other other layers to that that would be unpicked if you were tiny yes well i mean part of the layer is that the middle class kid is learning math you know and the working class kid is racing with his body right like there's <laughs> athletics right but you know both families are undergoing a kind of a modernity the poor boy's family is earning towards getting their own shop and not just to have, you know, the cart. And of course, his death breaks down all of the family's dreams. Yeah, because, you know, obviously the boy working and the boy helping them and so on was part of what would make the shop possible. Uh, Now, that, so the death of the boy is, I think, extraordinary cinema. The way that it's edited together, the repetition, you know, one boy spurring the other on, the other one kind of, you know, on his last legs, but which you just think is is exhaustion at that point, right? Um, You know, and the way that it's edited together, yeah, uh, both orally and visually is absolutely fantastic, I think. Um, Yeah. And also the way they they then return to that later on. So uh, there are the scene later on where he goes and, and, and explains to the boy's parents what happened when he died. Um, and the, the, the scene of him explaining and he, and he's just saying what he was shouting at the time, but he, they keep putting these very quick flash edits in of the, of the, of the death scene. And then later on, I think there's, an, there's another flashback, but here you just get kind of uh, still freeze frames mm. of, of events on, 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 on the track. And it's really, really effective. Yes. Um, one of the things that I didn't, quite understand or that the film or I felt the film didn't clarify so I have no problems with the boy feeling 
that he'd killed his friend, right? Which is clearly what he feels. Yeah. But I would have liked the film to offer more of a rationale of why the boy feels that, right? You know, because he didn't know the boy has a heart condition, right? I mean, you know, it would be standard in sports to push someone past their limits, right? You know, yeah, that's, that's yeah. a standard sports thing about improving yourself, that you go just a little bit past your limit. So the fact that this results in an accidental death because, you know, the boy, yeah, had a, a, a heart condition that no one knew about, why, you know... I think that I think the film should have made more of a distinction between the boy's own feelings, yeah, and our understanding of those feelings, or the family's understanding of those feelings, etc. Yeah, I I suppose you know was it was it guilt? Was it survivor anxiety? Was it uh, was it um, was it just grief? I mean, because I, I think the thing is, it's um, a um, it's like you know, the scene where he goes, where, where where the boys died, and he goes back home to his parents, who who actually who don't know at this point that, that this has happened, and they're just like, where have you been? Where? And they, yeah, he doesn't tell them, but then he just goes out. But even later on, they don't talk to him about it, and I, and, and no one at school seems to be talking to him about it. Um, and it, it's you know because it's not, um, you know, it's not his his it's, it's not a brother or it's not his parents that have died it's not it's not a girlfriend or his partner or whatever it's his it's his mate that's died and that's it's you know what's your you know he's not at the funeral what's he, he has no kind of role in that process right and he has no formal uh, i don't know what, i don't know what i'm trying to say but he, he he's got no sort of there's people just probably assume you know he's oh he's a kid he's, he's a 13 year old boy well he'll be fine and he's not. Isn't it a bit more than that? The mother rejects him outright and blames him. She, mm. You know, she tells him, get out, right? And, you, yeah, and yeah. you get the sense that the reason why he's not at the funeral and so on is, yeah, the mother doesn't want him there. Yeah, right? yeah. Right, she can't bear it. Yeah, although she, and she, she then, met, and this is quite a moving bit where she's sort of, at one point, because he's just hanging around um, and he won't go away, and she just hands him a tray of pastries or, or whatever they are to to carry because she's now kind of accepting. Mm -hmm. I think uh, the other day you mentioned, let me try and find it, those four confusion things of, oh yes, mm. rituals, responsibilities, frugality and shame. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think uh, what you see a little bit is um, the boy undergoing that. Yeah. So his way of making it up to the family is through rituals, it's always like, good morning, Auntie Lee, good morning, Uncle Lee, goodbye, and yeah. And taking on responsibility for his friend's death, yeah. And then kind of, you know, giving of himself and of his time, you know, uh, uh, to the family so that they could do what they would have done had uh, the other boy uh, lived. Uh, so, you know, you could see how the how the... The, the film reenacts that, and then there's that point where they try to put the um, new name for the bar, uh, the marquee for the bar, and it's named after the boy who's died, Yang, Yang Shui or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. And the boy freezes, yeah, and it collapses on him, and he realizes you know, nothing is ever going to bring his friend back and he could never make amends yeah, yeah. for what he's done. Uh, and he leaves and goes home. Um, I, 
What did you make of that moment? As you say, it's kind of like he's trying to replace his friend and then <clears throat> that's the point where he realizes he can't. Um, but I, I didn't quite get his motivations at that point because there's then the scene at the end where he, um, I mean, you know, is, is, is he committing suicide? I'm not sure, but he's sort of, because at the, at the start of the film, I mean, the, I would say the opening of the film is incredible. It just starts out with these two points of light in, in complete blackness kind of moving towards the camera. And then this kind of is held for ages and eventually you find it's it's the two boys uh, emerging from this mine shaft with with with, with torches um, and then right at the end of the film you know, the film ends basically with the boy on his own just walking back into this 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 blackness and uh, you know it what is that implying? Is that implying he dies? He commits suicide? Is it, I, I don't know. I mean, I meant, um, I meant to ask you the same thing because I don't get it, right? And I think that is a weak point in the film for me because, I mean, it could be read various ways, right? It could be read that, you know, at the beginning, the boys come out together into sunshine and joy and, you know, their, their youth, right? And at the end, the youth is over, yeah, he thinks he's killed someone, and what lies ahead is kind of darkness, right? There's that whole thing about everything is always changing. You know, things change all the time. I, there's no certainty. You know, the rules are really the rules only sometimes and for some people and not for others. Yeah, all the, all the certainties that the society tells you don't hold. Everything changes, right? Which is kind of quite a cynical way of looking at things. And then he says, what doesn't change is what I've done. I have, you know, the implication is what doesn't change is that I've killed you, right? And I think, well, I mean, I think the film should have resolved that better. Like, you know, because the boy didn't kill him. I mean, I don't, I, I don't find that at all convincing that the boy killed him. I mean, I, I can see why he might think so or why he might feel guilty about it, you know. But why there isn't a shift in that perception at the end is beyond me. And I did think, is he committing suicide? But why would he commit suicide? There is, of course, the realization that he could never bring his friend back. But is that the only thing he's been living for? You never see the surviving boy interacting with any other children. Yes. Yeah, he's, in, he's in the classroom. There's a bunch of other people in the classroom. But he doesn't seem to talk to any of them. Because the early scenes are just those two boys. You don't see anyone else with them. And the later scenes... You know, he's kind of isolated in the middle of a crowded room. He never like talks to one of his friends, one of his other friends who presumably he, oh, there are other other children around. There is no one to say to him, "Look, are you okay? Are you, you know, why are you doing this?" But it, in a way, I, I kind of like that that it, it um, you don't really know what's going on in his head. You, you can kind of speculate about why he's doing these things. You know, why, why does he go to the noodle store in the first place? Why does he feel guilty? Why doesn't he talk to his parents? Why does he destroy his abacus in this moment? Um, yeah, what, why does he do what he does at the end? And what, what does he do at the end? I don't know. Um, I understood all, I, I understood I, all I kind of that. Like that. I mean, you know, to me, that kind of silence, the anger, the not telling, mm. is part of being that age. And clearly being at odds with the family. And again, he says at the end, you know, sometimes you do what your family wants, and they appreciate it, and sometimes they don't, and you never know why, and yeah, so mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, so, yeah. so that is a very kind of typical teen feeling, really. So so I, 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 I get that, and I like that as well. Um, and I like the mystery that the film has, and I like the simplicity, you know, it's almost like a chamber piece, because, you know, there's 
there's two sets of parents and the two boys, right? And then one of the boys, yeah, leaves the narrative, but overhangs on the narrative, you know, halfway through, and then maybe the other boy leaves at the end, in which case two families yeah. are then bereft, right? Yeah. And I love the depiction of both families because actually they're both quite sympathetic, I think. You know, you, even the father, who seems quite abrupt and obviously anxious about what the boy is doing and complaining that the mother, uh, you know, uh, uh, pampers him too much, nonetheless is, is shown to have real love and concern. And yeah, the scene you describe where he goes to help, yeah, get the cart uh, uh, out of the mud is, is very moving, really. Apart from those six characters, as far as I remember, there are virtually no other speaking characters. The, 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 the teacher at one point is is giving them instructions in the class. And a the doctor, classroom. maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. There's a doctor in the hospital who says... Oh, who's he's dead. <laughs> says, sorry, sorry. <laughs> he's dead. Get over it. Um, and But I don't... Oh, and there's, there's the, um, the kind of... And that's another mystery, this kind of drifter, this kind of guy that he meets who's living in a shack near the grave? I, I, two, two drifters, that? actually. One near the beginning who seems to work in the cemetery, right? And then there's another one at the end whom the boy mistakes for the earlier one and says, sir, and he goes, what do you want? And then, oh, nothing, sorry, yeah, it's clearly the wrong person. Yeah, yeah so there's yeah. those two vagrants. I'm not sure how to interpret those, actually. You know, it's a film I want to watch again to kind of see whether I can unlock some of those mysteries yes. um, um, but yeah a fa fascinating film I thought it was very beautiful I thought it was very moving I also thought it resonated I mean you know I think every everybody's been young you know and everyone can you know can recognize those things that the boys uh, yeah. are going through yeah I found the depiction of the families complex and moving yeah it, it, uh, it isn't coy and, and sentimental like, you could understand why the mother of the dead child hates the sight of him, right? And then the process of kind of gradual warming up to him, you also understand how that comes about. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love the bit with the detail with the shirts, by the way, which obviously we're missing because we yes. can't read the text. But they're all they're wearing their kind of school Each other's shirts, shirt. like a polo shirt. Yeah, a polo shirt. And they've got their, their names embroidered on the shirt. Um and they, when they're doing the the maths problem and the and the, and the running, they they both got their shirt, they both take the shirts off. Clearly, we don't realise this until until someone says it out loud. If you're a Taiwanese audience, mm. you would perhaps notice this. But when the boys died and the rich boy goes back to to his house, his mother looks at him and says, "Why why are you wearing your friend's shirt?" And he then goes to um, see the poor boy's parents, and the mother notices that he's wearing the shirt with her son's name on it. And she she's holding what she thinks is her son's shirt, and it's not her son's shirt. It's the it's the other boy's shirt, and she just kind of throws the the, the shirt at him. I, I, I thought that you know, just that kind of detail I, really, mm. I thought was, was was great. And the film's full of that kind of moment. Yes, yes, yes. I think it's a really beautiful film, uh, and and I do think it's a great film. I mean, obviously, I've been complaining about this or that and you know I don't mean it as a complaint I mean as a way of like me working things out in my head really it's a film that invites you to think all those things through in your head yeah that not only invites you to do it but like you want to do it it resonates with you it kind of overhangs in your mind after you've seen it which is exactly it reminded me and this is just occurred to me talking about have you seen Lean on Pete no 
uh, Andrew Haig film that came out a couple of years ago, and it's about a boy, a boy about he's about about fourteen or fifteen, and he's his he kind of gets involved with a horse, and and, so, and it sounds like this kind of cloying film, but it's not. It's, it's it's amazing, and again, he's he's you know you just got this boy, and he's doing this stuff. He, he you know he takes this horse and goes on a journey with the horse, and you you don't really you don't really know why he's doing it, um, and why he's doing anything he does in the film. But just like the performance of the, of the, of the kid in the lead, you, you just sort of know, yeah, he, I don't quite know why he's doing it, but I can tell he has a reason for doing it and he's conveying that he has a reason. And I, that, that's the same feeling I have with this film, that the, 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 the surviving boy is doing, you don't quite understand why he's doing things, but you, can, you, you do feel he has a motivation, you're just not quite sure what it is. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought it was great. And a bit much like you, I, I, I came in. I posted about it somewhere online, saying I think yeah, you, you just re- really had the feeling I've, I've just seen this kind of great lost masterpiece, basically, because it it it, re- it really is that good. I wondered as well, you know, because Victor Fan in his lecture compares it uh, to Teorema, to Pasolini's Teorema, mm, mm. and talks about like class responsibility. That if this film is read allegorically. You know, it's like one class trying to make up for the wrongs that they have done to the other class, right? And of course, they could never be repaired. Yeah, therefore, you know, the only option is for that class to commit suicide or to go. <laughs> I don't find that very convincing, but I wondered if you had an angle on that. Um, I yeah, I, I wasn't hundred percent convinced by that, and and he, um, it felt a little bit like he was making the Pasolini comparison to then sort of link it up with the fact that Moton Fay later did a film that was kind of based on, on Salo. Um, so I, I, I didn't quite get that, but again, but again, again, maybe there's some resonances here that we're not getting that we, you know, because for, as we were saying yesterday with the, um, the fact that if you're Taiwanese, you would understand that because the boy and his father are living in a certain type of house in a certain district, that means he was almost certainly formerly a successful mainland person who has lost his money. So perhaps if you were, um, you know, in from Taiwan and you understood these social distinctions and, and what the signifiers were of the of the different houses and so on, you would get what okay why the the, the perhaps you know the implication is the rich boy's parents have become rich at the expense of people like the poor boy's parents. Sure. But we, we 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 don't really know. Yes. Um... On a last note, at least for me, uh, one of the things that I was reading that I thought was interesting is that, you know, the films, these two films, came out just at that moment where Taiwanese cinema was on the way down and Mandarin-speaking cinema was gaining the full support of, you know, the regime, which might be another reason why these films you know, might not have circulated. The other thing is, in, in terms of where this, this sits in Taiwanese cinema, one, one of the points that Wood Lin made was that you, you it, yeah, they, cause they, because these films had been shown so little at the time and people just people just hadn't seen them and people viewed Moton Fei in the light of the films he was the making, films. The, the exploitation films he made later in his life. Um, and so, so essentially after after end of the track, he he went travelling for a few years. The next film he made was was 1977, and by 1980 he was making things like Lost Souls, which is the one based on Salo and that kind of thing. So, so essentially, there are very few films of his between what we just saw and this 
kind of a very violent exploitation film. But essentially, because people people just weren't aware of these films, these these two films that we've been watching, and you know, he he was quoting people who figures in Taiwanese cinema who were saying, you know, if we, you know, if we if we'd known about these films earlier, firstly the kind of the story we tell about Taiwanese cinema and the and the path from Taiwanese cinema of the 60s and 70s to the to the new Taiwan cinema of, of the 80s that that story would have been very different because this is clear this is kind of a, a a link in that chain but the other thing is if these films had been circulated widely at the time and Moton Fei had carried on working in that vein possibly the entire story of Taiwanese cinema would have been mm. very different mm. and you know he you, know, you could you could easily envisage him being you know working in that kind of mode being part of that circle of people like Edward Yang and Ho Chao Shen, uh, making making those films in the eighties. The another point he makes, which is quite interesting, is that these two films were were independent productions, um, sort of among the very first independent films produced in in Taiwan, which again is a link with with what Ho Chao Shen and, and Co were doing later. The the earlier films we watched, like you know, Brides Return from Hell and so on, they they were all. They're all studio productions. I mean, they're kind of small studios, but they're all studio productions. Um, the you know the, the later films were all kind of funded by these government um, production companies and were, were were made by big producers. There was one independent production that we saw. Remember, like uh, someone who self-financed his own films. Yeah, but that, that's right. So so basically, it was when when Ho Shan Shan and uh, like Edward Yang sold, sold his house to fund. Um, or Ho Shen sold his house to fund Taipei Story, I can't remember which way around it was. But yeah, that, that was essentially, and I think the conventional story about of Taiwanese cinema is that that kind of thing wasn't happening until it happened in the 80s with the new Taiwan cinema. But actually, this this was exactly what happened with, with, with Moton Fei's early films. Mm. I, I think there is also one earlier incident of one of the films we saw. I seem to remember this rich person who financed his own film. Yeah, and it was very visually interesting, but not dramatically so. Uh, I think we podcast on it. I just can't remember the name. Um, but this feels like a real lost talent and a wasted talent. I hear someone who was making these extraordinary films in 1969, 1970, and then really didn't make anything else until they arrived in Hong Kong in the 80s. Yeah, so it feels like a kind of a real loss uh, to cinema, but a happy rediscovery. Uh, of this particular film. Yeah, and if only we had access to some of these later exploitation films, we might be able to watch them and do a comparison. And luckily, actually... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, watch this space. We, we may continue with... Uh, uh, to perhaps, I, I think it might be interesting to watch one of these films I, and just see... I think it would. Do, do, we see any, do we see any traces of the earlier Moton Fei in... In this film, and can can we draw a line somewhere? I think that that'd be an interesting exercise. That would be great. Uh, if we're feeling brave, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we may have to get permission from our parents first before we watch these films. Or <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. We are thinking aloud about film. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. Bye bye. Bye.